0: Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. My subject today is rules for daily living. And usually, you need to write. Because what I'm going to unload on you today, you're not going to be able to remember all of it. But you're going to remember something but you need to write also so when you go on the outside and somebody asks you what did the preacher say you just don't say it was a good message and then they ask you what was good about it he, he, he spoke very well and he finished on time <laughs> So rules for daily living and I want to read from you from Romans chapter 12 beginning at verse 1 it says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that he present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That he may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Loving Father, we open your words now. We ask you that you will interpret them to our hearts. and We pray, oh, Father, that you will help us to live by them daily and prepare us for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're living in a world that is filled with evil. And this evil that occupies the world was here before we got here. And if you were to die before Jesus comes, then you will leave it here. But when you are resurrected, when Jesus comes, wherever you go, you shouldn't bring it with you. And I want to go to a place where I don't have to bring it with me. So if I go to hell, I'm going to bring evil with me because it's there. But if I go to heaven, I will not bring evil with me because there is not going to be any evil in heaven. Uh, Sister Gray gave a story this morning that is so relevant to what we have heard during this week about the clerk who is in jail for not signing the marriage license for same-sex marriage. Well, it's a big story. But it's a big story. But you and I need to understand That if you work for the government, you have to do the government work or don't collect the government's pay. So I don't know what are your thoughts on it, but I'm just telling you what is the church's thought on it. It means that wherever you work, if you work for the government and the government has a law that they ask you to do something, you have to do it. Either you do it or you give up the job. That's the bottom line. It's sad that it comes to that where you have to give up your job because what you do conflicts with your conscience. It's the same way if you work for some place and the government or anybody wants you to work on Sabbath. You, even if you go to jail and come back, you will, you will still have to do the work. So it's one thing, it's just one way out. It's either you give up the job or you snare your conscience. And if you're not gonna snare your conscience, you have to give up the job. That's the bottom line. So after this lady leaves jail, if she does not, if she's not willing to sign, either she's gonna be fired or she's gonna go back to jail. So that is why in the Adventist church, we don't accept money from the government to run our schools. Because whatever the government tells you to do, you have to do it. As long as you collect the government's money. That's how it is. It's very sad that that is so. But that's the law. And I'm saying to you today that you don't have to do anything that burns your conscience. But sometimes the only way out. Is for you to get out. And that's how it is. Uh, we really sympathize. With this lady. But you know one day that is going to come to all of us. Who are Seventh Day the Adventist. It's going to come to you. It's going to be either the state. Or the Christ. I hope to God that all of us will be willing, even if we lose our job, to stand for the Christ. And so every day we are surrounded by a society in which morals are slowly eroding. God has allowed the enemy to do his work in this world for the time being. Because of that, the standards of behavior are often less than what they should be. With all of this evil around us, the question is, how can we follow Jesus Christ? How can we live according to his standard. Now, of course, the Bible for the Christian is our guide and the word of God is our standard. And so those of us who have accepted the Christian gospel have entered into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. This means that we have dedicated our lives to Jesus and have pledged to serve him and to follow his rules. However, living for Jesus means more than following a set of rules. Living for Jesus is more than Following a list of do's and don'ts. Living for Jesus involves building a lifelong relationship. So I am in a relationship with Jesus. And it is not an ordinary relationship. It is... It is, it is an intimate relationship that I have with Jesus. And that is why Paul, writing about the church of God, uses the imagery of marriage. He says, husband, love your wife as Christ also loves the church and gave himself for it. That is no ordinary Relationship. And so in our text today, and I want you to go back to the text, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, beginning at 1. So in our text today, Paul makes a solemn, serious, and sobering appeal. He entreats us. To do three things. Number one. Paul entreats us to sacrifice ourselves. What does he entreat us to do? Sacrifice ourselves. He says present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's what he says. Present your body a living sacrifice. You know, I have fooled around with a few languages. And one of them is Spanish. Do we have anybody here who speaks Spanish? All right. Okay. Oh, good. We have one hand down there. Now, in the Spanish language, as in any in other language, you have what you call the reflective verbs. And the reflective verb means that the action from the subject remains with the subject. It is not It is not. passed on to the object. So, for example, in Spanish, if I say banyase. It means to bathe yourself. What it means is that you bath yourself. So you're not, ba- you're not bathing in the body. Or if I say, it means to sit down. What it means? It means to put yourself to sit. That's what it means. Literally. Now here, In this text, Paul says, present yourself, meaning that you cannot present anybody else as sacrifice. You have to be your own sacrifice to God. So when you serve God and you have all these people around you, all you can do is pray that they sacrifice themselves. But you can't sacrifice them. And so, in the Weymouth translation it says, present all your faculties to him as a living and holy sacrifice. Then in the easy to read version of the Bible it says, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him and An offering that is only for God and pleasing to Him. So, this is a personal act that the Apostle asked us to enter into. And so, the essence of worship is dedication. The essence of worship is dedication, but it's not just dedication. The essence of worship is self-dedication. And so, the perfection of worship is entirely self-sacrifice. And we cannot sacrifice except it is in the body. So you can't sacrifice outside of the body. You have to give the body Holy and solely to God. And the Lord Jesus Christ Himself is the epitome or the best example of the great act of worship. He loves us from eternity. There was no sacrifice before sin. Before sin, There was no need for sacrifice. As a matter of fact, the first sacrifice took place after Adam and Eve sinned. They, Adam offered the first sacrifice, that first animal that was slain. So Jesus Christ loves us from eternity. There was no sacrifice before sin. Therefore, there was no sacrifice for sin through love. There was no merit because there was no merit. There was no salvation. Salvation was only in the mind of God. And then... It became a reality only because of sin. So if there was no sin, there would be no sacrifice. And if there is no sacrifice, there is no salvation. Christ's love takes the form of self-sacrifice. By dying on the cross, the infinite Son of God was able to transform love into the most gracious act of self-giving and self-sacrifice. Christ's sacrifice was a living and lively sacrifice. As a matter of fact, before Christ, there was no living sacrifice. All other sacrifice was dead sacrifice. Then Jesus Christ came and he gave himself as a living sacrifice. And now he, Paul entreats us to give Christ a sacrifice full of life. And so Christ died, and in dying, he showed the infinite rich, great, powerful sacrifice. You know, Jesus Christ, having given this great sacrifice for all of us, became infinitely poor, infinitely small, infinitely weak. Yes, but then he gave to us the fountain of life through divine sacrifice. And now that is the highest form of worship, for it is the greatest form of self-giving. Oh yes, and he who loves greatest, oh yes, gives the greatest. God's love cannot be measured. By man's understanding. You cannot promise it. You can't measure it. It's the greatest form of love. That leads to the greatest form. Of self giving. So Paul says here. That we are called. To sacrifice. But it's not just to give your money. And give your service. All those means of sacrifice, they are dead sacrifice. But the life that is committed to God without reservation, without grudge, without envy. The life that is poured out to God. That is what Christ wants. So we are called today to sacrifice yourself. Then the second thing that Paul entreats us to do here is to renounce the world. What what are we called to do? To renounce the world. The word renounce here means to give up. To let go of. Yes. He says here, and the text he says, be not conformed to this world. The word "world" here has various meaning, but it means here worldliness, a spirit or the principle of evil pervading the world and governing even in high places. It is this to which we must be we must not be conformed. we cannot allow the world to set our standard the world Cannot set your standard because worldly standards are base standard. Worldly standard are mundane standard. We must let God set our standards and we must follow what the Bible says, not even what preacher says, because preacher they tell lie in the Bible sometimes. But you must follow what the Word of God says. And there are some things that the word of God says that are non-negotiable. You can't sit down and negotiate them with God. Because if they, were, if they were able to be negotiated, Jesus wouldn't die. The only one of the reasons why Jesus died is because he could not in any way abolish the law. So he had to die. So that the sacrifice for sin would be made available. And he who sacrificed himself had to become innocent. That means he cannot be morally or emotionally involved in the issues for which he seeks to cleanse you off. Oh yes. And so he died to save you. So yes. Yes. Worldly standard cannot be absorbed by heavenly people. Do you hear what I say? Worldly standard cannot be absorbed by heavenly people. Heavenly people must live by heavenly standard. So, Paul says that we should not be. A part of the world. Then the word conform. Implies. That we take our form. From the things. Around us. And about us. That we. Yes. That that our minds are cast. Into the mold of the world. As a matter of fact. in, in, In Romans chapter 12. and verse 2. In the Philip translation. Hear what Philip says. Philip says, "If Philip, he says, do not let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. That's what Philip says. Oh, yes. You cannot allow the world to squeeze into the world. And in, and, and in order not to conform to this world, we must be transformed. Only transformed people are not conforming to the standard of the world. Because you have a higher mission. You have a higher goal. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. You know, I like to lighten lighten the people of God who are transformed to oil. To what? Oil. Now, if you get a bucket of water and you throw oil in it, where does it go? It is on top always. It doesn't matter how much you store it. Always on top. And the people of God are always on top. They are living here. This Bible says that you must be in the world. But you are not of the world. I don't have anywhere else to live. I'm going to live here. But I'm living by the principles of heaven. So you cannot allow the world to squeeze you into its mold. And the Desire of Ages, page 324, Ellen White says, Unless we become virtually connected with God, we can never resist the unhollowed effect of self-love, self-indulgence, and temptation to sin. We may leave off many bad habits for the time We may part company with Satan, but, uh, listen to this, but without a vital connection with God. What kind of connection, church? Vital connection with God through the surrender of ourselves to him moment by moment. We will be overcome. Without a personal acquaintance with Christ. We're not talking about some proxy relationship now. A personal relationship with Christ. And a continual communion. We are at the mercies of the enemy. And shall do his bidding in the end. I want to live for Jesus. And I want to do so daily, not intermittently or spasmodically. I want to live for Jesus daily. I want his love to shine through me. When I walk on the street, I must look like a child of God. You know, I like to wear a cap sometimes. And anytime time I'm leaving the house and I'm going to wear my cap, I cannot let my wife see me. She says, you must not go through the door with a cap on your head. Because when you have a cap, you look like a criminal. That's what my wife says. <laughs> but I still wear my cap. And I have a lot of them. That doesn't mean that when you wear a cap, you're a criminal. That is her interpretation. Yeah. But everywhere I go I must live for Jesus. Amen. In the home and in the trough. Be like Jesus all day long. Oh yes. So here it is. What Paul says that we must not be we must be in the world but we must not be in, of the world. So Christ wants to transform you. Transformation here Does not mean to be patched up. What did I say? Transformation does not mean to be what? Patched up. Now when you go to the doctor. And you are sick. And you have to get some surgery. The doctors have to patch you up. Physically. Patch you up. I remember some time ago. I went to do a, a dental surgery and they had to remove from inside my mouth the dentist remove a piece of flesh from one side over here and put it on the other side here and planted it inside and when i went back to him he said mr Harding, it looks good it has grown in you know when jesus transformed people he doesn't patch them up he makes you new. If any man be in Christ. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. Look. The new has come. That's what one translation says. The new has come. So here it is. That we come to the third thing. That Paul. That Paul entreats us to do here. He says here. We must regard ourselves as members of the body of Christ. So he says here, you must present your body and then say that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now the question I I have for you now is, what is the will of God? You say the perfect will. Now we have imperfect will because we are imperfect people. God has absolute will. And by the way, God has two types of will. The first will of God is, 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 is his substantive will, God's substantive will cannot be changed. Yes. And so when he says, thou shalt not kill, if you kill, as a matter of fact, in the the right translation, it does not say thou shalt not kill. He said, thou shalt do no murder. That's what it really means. So if you become a murderer, that is against the will of God. So that is God's substantive will, and it will never change. And that's why you are here today. It says, remember... The Sabbath day to keep it holy. That cannot change. But then there is what we call. God's permissive will. So somebody asked me. uh, A question like this. Well pastor. The Bible says you know. God gave Eve. To Adam. But how is it. That in Bible time. There were those men. Who had more than one wife. It seemed as if he needed another one. With the one he had. So he asked me the question. To see if I would sanction him. To get another wife. With the one that he had. And um, well. When you have more than one wife. It is called polygamy. When you have one wife. Monogamy. One. Wife. So how come God dealt with people who had more than one wife? That was his question. Well, my explanation is that that is a part of God's permissive will. Then he asked me another question that I couldn't answer. Because not every question that people ask I can answer. Some of them have to refer them. And in any profession you are, whenever some questions come up that you can't answer, that's not your discipline don't try to answer. refer them to the people who have that discipline am I right? So I referred him to God. <laughs> right So this was his question to me. How God is so loving and kind and yet permits sin which is so evil. So that one I had to refer him to God. Because I couldn't answer that one. But in my simple way, that was a part of God's permissive will. So here we come now. What is God's will? What is God's will? God has a will for all of us as it comes to the, the subject of salvation. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 9. Yes, the Bible says, and I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says, the Lord is not slow about his promise. As some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for anyone to perish, But for all to come to repentance. So God's will right now. Is for all the people who are here. To repent of their sins. You see without repentance. There is no forgiveness. And by the way. As I talk about forgiveness. The Pope made a great blunder. This week. In 1979, Pope John Paul II visited England and he had an open mass in Piccadilly Circus. And there in that mass, he told all the priests in England to go in all the prison. And forgive all the prisoners their sin. Now this Pope here has repeated the same mistake. By asking the Pope and the priest, rather, in America to forgive all those women who have committed abortion. The Pope or the priest cannot forgive people of their sins. You see, the, the, the intent is good, but the theology behind it is wrong. All right, all he should tell the people, listen, we are going to ask God to forgive all these people. He can't forgive my sin. And I, I, I'm not bashing the Pope, but if I, had a, if I had an audience with him, I would tell him that that is not biblical. Because Jesus Christ is the only one who can forgive our sins. As a matter of fact, many of those people, they realize what they did was wrong. They prayed to God and they have already been forgiven. So the Pope is a little late on that one. So here it is that without sin, there is no remission of, without forgiveness, there is no remission of sin so the will of God is for all of us to become members of the body of Christ. In John chapter 6 and verse 38 to 40 says, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the father which has sent me that all which he has given me should not, I should not, I should lose nothing but should raise up again at the last days. And this is the will of him that sent me. That everyone which seeeth the son and believe it in him may have everlasting life. So my friend. Today. I ask you. Are you conformed? Are you conforming to this world? Be not conformed. To time. But be transformed. By the will of God. And be conformed to eternity. We're not the fashions. Of persons who belong to time. But oh. We're the garb of those who belong to eternity. We are to become transformed by the renewing or the thinking of our faculties. That is, instead of being occupied as we once were in the thinking and the planning of the old way of life. Let us now begin to think heavenly. May your thoughts... Your ideas be rooted and grounded in the will of God. It is my will today, as is the will of God, that all of us here might have everlasting life. And so as I close today, I want to leave with you ten rules that you must follow. Not to be saved, but because you are saved. These are the rules of life. Number one. Read your Bible daily. What did I say? As a matter of fact. I, every time I get. I always give out my prescription. I didn't study medicine. But I give prescription. And I'm not just a bush doctor. Three. Three chapters a day keeps the devil away. That is my prescription for you today. So read your Bible daily. Learn the secrets of prayer. Rely constantly on the Holy Spirit. That's number three. Number four, attend regularly the house of God for worship. The visible church is Christ's organization on earth. Don't disdain it, don't abandon it, don't reject it, but make sure that you are in church as long as you have breath in your body. Number 5. Be a witness in Christians. These are rules that you're going to live by. We witness in two ways, by life and by word, and the two of them go together hand in hand. Number 6. Let love be the ruling principle of your life. What did I say? Let love be the ruling principle of your life. That's right. Jesus said to those who follow him, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you what love one another. Number seven, be an obedient Christian. What did I say? Be an obedient Christian. And don't forget this. If you forget everything else that I've said, don't forget this. The number one rule in heaven is obedience. What did I say? The number one rule in heaven is what? Obedience. Be an obedient Christian. Number eight. Learn how to meet temptation. Because whether or not you want it, it is coming. Yes, temptation is not a sin. But yielding it a sin. Number nine. Be a wholesome Christian. Be a what? Wholesome Christian. Now some Christians, they they live their life in... In divided way. Holism means oneness. That's what it means. And uh, I always say to people. That I live one life. I don't have a secular life. And a spiritual life. Everything that I do. Is spiritual. Because I try to avoid sin. Anything else you do. Anything you do that is sinful. You're not living a holy life. If all that you do is void of sin, then you are living a wholesome life. That is number nine. Number ten, the final one. Listen to me now. This one here, all of them is important. But this one here is what bothers most of you. And I'm looking at you here today. And I read you up. (laughs) Some people read, by looking in your palm. As a matter of fact, there's a technology that is coming that when you go to the bank, you don't have to sign. You just look at the paper, and your signature is signed. I look in your eyes now, and I see that you need this one. Yo, you need you needed all the others, you know. But this one here, this one here. It says simply says, live. Above your circumstance, do not let your circumstance get you down. Learn to manage it. Don't allow your circumstance to dictate your behavior. Do you hear what I say? Don't allow your circumstance to dictate your behavior. Don't let your circumstance get you down. Learn how to live graciously within them. Realizing that the Lord himself will, is with you. And my message to the church of God today. Go and offer yourself a sacrifice. I say to the church of God today. One and all I say to you as you go and offer yourself a sacrifice. Don't let the world squeeze you in its mold. I say to the church of God today oh, regard yourself as members of the body of Christ. Live for Him. Go, glow in Him. Go in Him. Grow in Him and follow His way. And by God's grace, you will be saved